Hi, if you are tuning in, I'm glad that you're still here because this is part two of the Abbey Normal Podcast. Interview with Carolyn. Or interview with a friend. Yes. <laughs> so, as you guys remember from last week, we had a very great interview with our friend Carolyn Prevost, but we had such a good time conversing with her that our recording was over three hours long. Yes, and it's it, this is probably the longest interview I've probably done with anyone. Yeah. But then again, this is my second interview with a guest, so what do you expect? Yeah, but it was a lot of fun, and I do want to press, I'm going to put it in the beginning of this episode, but we are going to be talking some major plot points to some recent released movies. So if you haven't seen Bodies, 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 X, or Pearl yet. Don't worry, darling. Well, we didn't talk about Don't Worry, Darling, this oh. one. Oh, I thought we did. I think we talked about it in the last one. Oh, yeah, that's right. But if you haven't seen the three movies that I listed earlier, go check them out before you check out this episode because we do get into some major plot points, so spoilers. And we do talk about, like, other things in here. Like, I think at one point we even talk about cults. Mm-hmm. So there's that, too. Yeah. So, yeah, without further ado, here is the part two of Abby Normal Podcast, an interview with a friend. Did you guys have, like, a come-down movie after a horror movie, like, when you were a teenager? Like, um, like almost a kid's movie or a movie you had to watch after watching something really scary just so you could, like, calm down and go to sleep? Yeah, I think I did. I think I did. Yeah. Well, you go first. I think yeah. mine, it's kind of this, it's still pretty fucked up, but I mean, it's uh, uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven. That was such that? a good movie, though. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's... it'd make me cry. Yeah, like, it's a sad movie. It but does it was, the like, opposite of what I know, a but like, movie there does. Was that, I had a lot of movies in the house, so it was kind of hard to choose which one would I watch because they were all just like still good, but a lot of them were fucked up, too, especially in like emotions. Right. And that's the thing I realized, too. I said to my mom years later, I was like, do you realize all the stuff that we grew up on that were, like, supposed to be these kid-friendly family films are just sad and fucked up? Yeah. Homeward Bound? Homeward oh, ba- my God. Right. Holy <laughs> sh- I still can't watch that movie and not cry at the end. Fox and the Hound? Like, <sighs> yeah. Oh my God. That part, that I don't watch that movie. I will not watch Fox and the Hound because right. that shit's fucking sad. I feel like for me, like, I I mean, I haven't done this in a while, because, like, I'll watch horror movies. Like, I think one day you you went out, and I decided one day, I'm just going to watch, like, some horror movies on HBO Max that I haven't even watched yet. So I watched The Curse of La Llorona, and then I watched yeah. another movie after that, and I can't remember the name. And then afterwards, I was like... I might need a little bit of a come down movie. So I went over to Disney Plus and I pulled up a movie that was like on my continue watch list. And I think I watched the rest 30 minutes of Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> I rem- when I was a teenager, in- yeah, when I was a teenager, <laughs> my go to come down movie was Rockadoodle. <gasps> oh yes! I have that movie. I had that movie on VHS. That, oh my god. That was the only movie that would make me feel better. Yo, that oh. movie, really? Because that movie was still kind of fucked too. Especially in the beginning when Rockadool got his ass kicked by that other rooster. And I'm like, yo, he's supposed to be the man. What the hell happened? He freaked me the hell out as a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, he was supposed to be that scary, like, monster. But, I mean, if you watch Elvis, the new Elvis, like, movie thing oh. that they came up with, like, he is that character. He is Tom Hanks' character to a T. Like, yeah. 
I mean, obviously, the rooster is based off of Elvis, and yeah. so you can make those real-life connections. And the owl is like, based on his old manager? Oh. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. fuck. I didn't see that till now. Wow. Yeah. Man, wow. I, Especially I, when you think about, like, Elvis's, like, Las Vegas re- residency. Yeah. Like, the fact that that manager took most of Elvis's money, like, that owl is... I have new eyes for this. Like, literally, I have new eyes on this. This is crazy. Now I'm going to have to watch Rockadoodle again and right. watch the new Elvis and compare the two, and we do a comparing of the of the movies on here. Thank you for doing that photo shoot. Like, you asked me to do a photo shoot with you, and I dress up Hold in on. Victorian Hold on. gothic macabre clothing. Hold on. What? Let's have Carolyn talk about that project, and then we'll go into how that day went with you. Okay, so I'm an adult student in college, and my last semester, and I decided to take a digital photography class, because I used to be a photographer, and I'm like, you know what, I want to rediscover my love for it. So I had my first photo, like, homework, and I asked Colin to help me out with it. Because I'm extremely good looking, and that's why (laughs) she needed a model. Well, I figured also, like... Colin's personality, he'll be like, yes, take my picture. Take me. <laughs> yeah. Make me one of your French girls. Like, yes. <laughs> that would be me. You're not wrong. We decided to do it in a cemetery, and he asked his friend Ryan to borrow, like, a spooky vampire gothic type Victorian outfit. outfit. And so we went to the cemetery. Like, you can barely tell it's even a cemetery, which is beautiful, but it still has that creepy vibe, which I love. Mm -hmm. Like, we, like, went to Mount Hope. We just, like, went right to the back of Mount Hope and found, like, a very great spot. And so we took pictures. Colin, progressively, like, it, it was tedious because I had to go through every single camera very goddamn tedious like function kind of <laughs> like we had to do every white balance i had to go through like take a picture of him under every single white balance every f-stop like you know things like that shutter speed <laughs> colin wanted to rip my throat out by the end of the day <laughs> <laughs> but you know what for for doing that she did buy me taco bell and i really appreciate that Plus, the pictures look really good. Right. And oh, yeah. I never told you which ones you want me to, like, go through and edit. I could fix any of the white balance ones. Those are easy to edit. Like, okay, because I was trying to go through them and stuff, and I tried to, like, pick which can, ones. It wouldn't let me pick them, but I guess... Oh, no. When I see an X, just tell me. Okay. I was going to say right now, if you could just take all the photos and just send them to me, that's fine. Alan. I don't care. <laughs> fine. Now we're making negotiations on the show right now. Anyways, okay, so where were we going with this? Well, whose idea was it for Colin to dress up like a vampire? Was it Colin's idea? Yeah, it was mine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because we were just, if I I didn't have that idea, I was just going to go wear like probably this or something and just like wear normal clothes. But instead, I wanted to go the extra mile and I thought it was just perfect and ryan did have something like that so that's why i asked him oh funny mm-hmm. yeah well we were saying like he was saying earlier about the tom savini joke he's like tom savini looks like he could be your uncle and i'm like do you really think if tom savini were my uncle i would be here exactly like, that's, that's not something that i would just pass up an opportunity for <laughs> right absolutely right exactly so to like apprentice under him and like learn what he learns and possibly yeah. work in the entertainment industry and you can move to pittsburgh and go to his little like college over there you know his little school i mean pittsburgh is amazing to live 
We're actually I going did. there in uh, November. Which part? We're going to Philly, actually. Me and a me and a group of friends. No, we're going to no, Philly. Philly's not part of Pittsburgh, honey. Yeah, no, a different. No, I'm going to another count, like another place oh over there. I do have a Pittsburgh so story. Well, I'm going to Philly over there with a group of friends for a show. So yeah, we're going to see AFI, but Pennsylvania—that's where we're going. I did. Don't have you a, laugh over there? <laughs> I did have a Pittsburgh uh, story though. Yeah. Don't judge me. I, I think I may have told both of you this. I don't know if I ever mentioned it on the podcast. No, but, but let when everyone I was, know. When I was in high school, I really wanted to do art. That was my passion in high school was to just broaden my art technique and. Yeah. go to an art college my i remember my school was like encouraging me they're like well if you want to do art there's like a few places you can look into um so i applied for the art institute i think of pittsburgh that's where i went to college yeah <laughs> <laughs> so when it came time for like they they reached out to me and are like you know we've been selected as a potential student but we want you to come out and visit and see what you think before we discuss further stuff tuition and like yeah. yeah so my mom and i drove down to pittsburgh and the way getting there like getting from rochester to the city wasn't a problem but once we no. got into the city and tried to find out where the school was that's where it became a whole other issue so my mom was reading off of mapquest directions and she was not figuring out how to do or how to get there. And I'm like, well, we still got about an hour before we're due to arrive. I said, why don't we just stop and get gas and we'll ask somebody at the gas station if they know where it is. So then we asked them and we're like, do you know where the Art Institute of Pittsburgh is? And he gave us the directions. We got back in the car and my mom still tried to read the MapQuest directions. Oh. And I was like, Mom, like, let's just remember what the guy told us and go from there. So we backtracked and then followed his directions. And sure enough, we found the school. And we did the tour. And it was a really nice tour and everything. But tuition was pretty costly there. It, it was it was fun. The dorms were fun. I can't yeah. lie. Um, I say, yeah. They were off campus. When I went there, it was on the North Shore, um, Allegheny Center. By the time I left, they had just like, I don't know if they built the building or had like, got a new building but they were moving everyone closer to the school like i think it was actually in like an old prison or oh. jail like, oh. yeah like downtown <laughs> that is cool really? that's across awesome the river or anything like that yeah they had that giant dinosaur outside of the building before they shut down for good like because as we all know now the arts institutes are like scam schools <laughs> but before they shut down for good they had actually like moved out of downtown like they weren't even downtown anymore but the building was still there and i think they made them like luxury apartments or whatever and i'm like that's so crazy like huh yeah that's intrigue that's intrigue <laughs> yeah and i was gonna ask since you go to you currently go to brockport my sister emily we've had her on the podcast before today's actually her birthday so i want to wish her happy birthday yes happy birthday about... em i know yeah. i got a message her after hey, this yeah <laughs> <laughs> She lives in Brockport, and she kind of lives close enough to College Town where she, she she's, like, getting to that point of, like, living close enough to College Town where she kind of, I don't know, is surrounded by, like, the colleges. But what's your experience like in college so far in Brockport? In Brockport? Yeah, what's um, college like? <laughs> like, 
I went to Brockport High School. I went to like, you know, I went to Brockport School District growing up. Even the Catholic school I went to as a kid was located in Brockport right near the college. So, oh God, you're just a Brockport like, kid. For me, looking at it, like, I remember when the college kids used to seem so old, and now I'm an old person, and I look at the college kids, and I'm like, oh, they're babies. Like, Aww. they're little kids. So, like, thinking about that perspective just from, like, aging, but being around the college is kind of crazy to me. Um, I do enjoy it. My teachers are great. Some of my teachers, we send our kid, like our kids to the same daycare, which is on campus. And oh. being a single mom, I get kind of like a nice little like discount because I also don't really make that much money or anything. So this school helps pay with that, which is fantastic. So I can uh, go to my classes. I get childcare. It's really nice. I'm going, this is my last semester there. I'm going to be graduating in December, which is crazy um it does make you feel old though like (laughs) i've met a few people who like were cool that i talked to like this one girl she loves horror movies as like as well so she really likes the halloween series so we've talked about them and we actually she liked uh nightmare on elm street and her favorite one though that's the common question you like nightmare on elm street which movie is your favorite dream child the four well, I have never met anybody whose favorite movie is Dream Child, which is I respect that. I do. Yeah. But it's kinda like, whoa. I do I like some parts in Dream Child too. Like there are some good ones in there. But it's not right. the best. No. And like but like I guess people usually think I'm crazy for my favorite as well. I love Freddy's Dead. That is my yeah. Freddy movie. <laughs> but like that's also like a comedy. Like it's a horror comedy. And, yeah. Yeah. But I thought it was so interesting. Like that is amazing. I'm kind of mind blown too because I don't know anyone that likes the fourth one. Like let alone even the fifth one. I don't even, no one even likes the fifth one. Yeah, like my favorite is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Ooh, that's a good one. I thought that was really good. New Nightmare. So the first time I was afraid of it. Like I was afraid to watch it because my brother, my brother who told me about it, he's a year younger than me, so he was six years old telling me at seven about a new nightmare <laughs> we're like and he's telling me like freddy's trying to break into our world and i think he's serious i'm like what freddy's trying to break into our world like you oh know, my I'm god like, man holy crap like this, cause this is the first time like me as a kid is hearing anything about like you know that fourth wall breaking meta stuff yeah so right scared the crap out of me and, like, even now, you watch Freddy, like, A New Nightmare, it is scary. Now I want like, to watch it. Thanks, rest. Carolyn. <laughs> but, yeah, that was, I think that's a great one. It's a lot darker than some of the other movies in the franchise. Yeah. How did you feel about Freddy vs. Jason, though? <laughs> I, I like that. I feel like it's going to a, like, that's like going to a Yankees versus like, Blue Jays game, like... <laughs> More like Yankees versus Sox, thank you very much. (laughs) Well, no, because I hate the Sox. (laughs) At least I can respect the Blue Jays. (laughs) I can respect Jason. I mean, I have a Jason tattoo. Only because I need to save my Freddy tattoo. Like, I'll probably have Dan Ross do it. Someone talented has to do Freddy. Yeah. Well, what would you do for a Freddy tattoo? Do Jason? (laughs) What? what would you do for a Freddy tattoo? Would you do something small and simple, or would you do something epic? Or yeah, you know the image of him in like the Indiana Jones hat. Yeah, 
Well, I really want that. Ooh. Or one of him with, like, the needle fingers. Yes. From t- which, by the way, because you guys talked about your favorite ones, mine has always been number three. I know that's everyone's favorite, but I loved it because that was actually before the first movie. That was actually my first time watching a Nightmare on Elm Street movie was the third one. And then, oh, and then I... That's a good introduction. Yeah, right. which it was unorthodox of how I did that. But I did that, and then I watched the first one. I'm like, this is why this is good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to ask because we we have talked about this like as a hypothetical. If you if they were to do another crossover of two different horror oh. mo- characters, which would you pick? Oh wow! So any two, or are we sticking with like Freddy versus? <laughs> it could be any any two because I know because okay. I know I think Lionsgate was it Lionsgate that produced uh, Candyman? New- yeah, that was Lionsgate. Yeah, they like right around the time Freddy versus Jason came out, they had proposed to Tony Todd who played Candyman like. Hey, we were thinking about doing a crossover of Candyman with the Leprechaun. Oh and my Tony God. Todd was like, no. So I might even say Wishmaster. Yo, no one talks about Wishmaster that much. He's oh, very underrated. So good. Yeah. I'd say Wishmaster because, yeah, and Hellraiser or, you know, Pinhead. Okay. I feel like the concepts of the movies are very similar almost like in my mind what i'm imagining that it would i think yeah i'd want to see them okay i can't describe it but like also too like one of like fan theory type things like a freddy being a cenobite i want to see that movie like i want to okay. see where like cenobites control freddy like it makes sense that yo that actually be really cool. cool i would like that i'm right. down that would yeah. be cool but wait does travis listen to this podcast because if he does Hi, Travis. <laughs> well, Adam Kramer kind of did a little shout out for him in he our did. last episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because he was talking about uh, Travis's movie that he was making. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Is it good? It's definitely his style. Um, it has influence from. There's a certain movie he made me watch it when we were dating, and oh, I can't even remember the name of it. But it was like these people who are in an underground bunker, almost like their dads like kept them down there, and then they escape. And yeah, anyways, doesn't make sense when I. <laughs> but it definitely draws influence from like very unknown '80s films, and yeah. it's very. It makes sense. I was gonna say, did he draw? <laughs> Influence from the movie Blood Harvest, uh, starring Tiny Tim. What? There's a movie back in the '80s called uh, Blood Harvest, and it stars right. Tiny Tim. You know, he's the guy who's uh, tiptoed through tiny. the uh, through right. the yeah, world. Tiny Tim. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he's dressed up as a clown, like he has this horrifying makeup on. It's so I don't scary. Think I it. No. Well, I don't know if you would want to watch it or not, but. It's freaking horrifying his face right. his face gives me nightmares justin martell who's like a producer of the joe bob breaks you know oh. the last drive-in yeah, yeah. He, mm-hmm. he actually um was he the producer he helped in making like a tiny tim documentary he's obsessed with tiny tim nice like <laughs> the all end all of the information of tiny tim. <laughs> but oh, it connects yeah, to cool. joe bob and yeah. Yeah, that's no. cool. Man, I want to meet him now and talk about Tiny Tim. That'd be great. <laughs> also, like Joe Bob Briggs, like that whole like kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I used to sneak downstairs after my parents would put us to bed to watch Joe Bob, like when I <laughs> on Monster Vision when I was a kid. Like, yeah, and he would be so on cool. at midnight, right? Midnight or like yeah, probably midnight or I want to say like eleven. But, yeah, because I because yeah. I remember watching the Elvira Macabre stuff. Yeah. When I was yeah. a kid, and that was on TV. Yeah, and you were pointing out to me, too, she's 
in the Munster remake. As I a, saw she posted on Instagram. Like, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I know you guys have. I need your take. I know. I, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. And then, and I said earlier, as somebody like myself who hasn't watched the original Munster show, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was it was quirky and cute, but it was very colorful. Like I always say that Rob Zombie has this like sense of almost style when it comes to his art department. Like you can tell that everything was he played a heavy hand in the artistic aspect of making this movie. From like the set design to the colors to the costume look, it was it felt like it was mostly him. But He's really cool with stuff like that, but I loved it. I'm not usually the kind of person who likes the kind of humor that Herman Munster was performing in, but I thought it was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And it actually made me laugh a few times, which was cool. So, And I enjoyed it, too, very much so, because it did remind me um, of the Munsters show. And I know it was like his love letter to that because he loved the Munsters growing up. And also, <laughs> you could tell it was his take on it. Yeah. You know, of that, like his own version of it. And I love that it wasn't really like gore or like anything disgusting right. like oh, no, Rob did. like yeah. he oh. made it seem like it was like a kid's show and that's, yeah, what, that's what i said that that's that what was, i loved about that that was supposed to be the original direction of how he wanted to make it yeah he was being very tender with he it, wanted very, to stay true yeah. to the show without going too far off from the original uh, yeah. source and, he, and instead he made it really funny and i actually enjoyed yeah. it i know there's people that are either Giving it crap right now? Yeah. I'm skeptical. Like, I, w- I, I will end up watching it. I'm not running into it, though, but, like, I will watch it. And I was I was talking to you yesterday via text because mm-hmm. um, you asked me if I had seen it yet, and I hadn't. And then I mentioned Wednesday, the new, like, Tim Burton Adams Family. Yeah, like, which is coming out in November. going to be on Netflix as well. And it got me thinking, like, with the Munsters, I did watch that, like, Mockingbird Lane TV show, like, reimagining of it with, like, Eddie Izzard was in it. And, like, I gave that a chance. But when I think about the Adams Family, I've probably seen so many different remakes of the Adams Family. Why, in my mind, is the Adams Family okay to, like, do in so many different ways? But yet, there's something about the Munsters that I'm, like, I'm just scared of what's going to happen. Like, I, I, I will watch it. Don't worry. <laughs> I hold the Munsters almost higher, like, on a pedestal. Well, yeah, the they Adams. are. You know, that's what's great about the Munsters is that they competed with the Adams Family back then. And Adams Family has been around since the comics with they came out in the 30s. But yeah. the Munsters was a brand new thing. It didn't really come from anything. It was just a TV show idea. And literally Fred Gwynn, who played Herman Munster, yeah. was kind of like the genius and the humor behind the show. And I feel like no one really touched it since then because of him. But it, it, it's been redone But it has. Times. It has. Yeah. Back in the 80s and 90s stuff and a little oh, bit from yeah. the 70s too. That was enough that Travis showed me the 80s. Yeah, which I feel like most people did not want to do that after that because have you ever seen had, those movies? Yeah. I had no idea, like, the 80s TV show existed. Like, I knew about the movies. I had seen those, but... Yeah, but the TV show, too, and that sucked. I can respect Rob Zombie. Like, yeah. um, I actually really enjoy a lot of his movies. Like, the only ones I can't talk about are the ones I haven't seen. Yeah, but let uh, us know what okay. you think of the monsters, yeah. Yeah, but an example, like, with Halloween, I had seen Friday the 13th before I had seen Halloween. So when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is just, like, 
a Jason film, you know, like in my mind. So I discredit it, you know, like I'm like, I'm not even going to watch it until Rob Zombie came out with his versions. And I was like, wow, these are really good. So he's the one who like got me into like Michael Myers and that Halloween franchise. Like that was my introduction technically because I had already blown it off when I was young. You yeah. Know? Like I love that. In, in last week when Adam Kramer and I were talking, he asked me, cause we, we had mentioned remakes a little bit and he asked me what's my favorite. And I okay. said, honestly, it's the Rob Zombie Halloween remake because it's different than what John Carpenter did and in a way it almost made Michael Myers a little bit more human than just the shape that John Carpenter you know it's like John Carpenter made the shape but Rob Zombie kind of gave him a backstory yeah which I thought was really cool I'm not a fan of those Rob Zombie movies either so it was kind of funny (laughs) that you and Carolyn are like big fans of it and I think you said that to Malcolm one time I think also too it's like when we watch all of the Halloween movies, even like the the sequels, they have kills in it, but they didn't really get too gory until like I think H two O and Resurrection. But Rob Zombie really brought it home with the gore. That was like the golden age of horror, though. Yeah, (laughs) gore. Like I remember like sitting on MySpace talking about the Rob Zombie movies and like everyone and everyone had gore in their name. Like everyone wanted more gore. Like it was definitely an like an early mid two thousands thing. Like that's what we wanted to see and he delivered. Right. Right. And then when you look at the new Halloween movies, it I mean, the plot itself, it picks up where the first original movie left off like 20 years, 20 or 30 years later. But when we see Michael Myers in this timeline, he's he's more brutal in these movies than he was in the original. So it's interesting to see him evolve from being that type of serial killer to being this type of serial killer. I, I think it's really cool. <laughs> I had a question and I can't think of it. Damn it, you got speechless there. Oh my God. <laughs> Me speechless? Oh. I know. <laughs> Alright, so favorite 1950s horror movie. Ooh, okay, okay. You want to go there? Okay. Non universal. Oh, okay, okay. Good one, good I one. I don't even know any. I know a few. You ever heard of the movie Them? Yeah. Yeah, with the giant ants? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's a good one. I hate insects, especially big giant ones, but like seeing those right there, yeah, that's definitely a good example. What's another one? There I can't a, think there of was any. a lot of creature ones. There was a lot of 50s creature a ton made of like creatures films. Love it. Like right. like it was like the giant behemoth or like the thousand um the thousand year old creature popping out <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. And it's just, what about the blob? The blob. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually blob, um I love because of the blob. I know there's the uh, the attack of the killer tomatoes. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my yes, god! The funniest my fucking movies ever. <laughs> so good. My favorite one is where the guy's at the campsite and he's around the fire and he's eating food, and the tomatoes are sitting right next to him eating food as well, and they're both looking at him. He's like, "What the." <sighs> <laughs> I really can't think of anything. Have you and I ever watched any uh, together? 50s horror films? That are non-universal? I don't think I have with you, honestly. But I have watched, like, we watch Vincent Price stuff. Yeah, like, I've seen House, House on Haunted Hill. That's a good one. That's I a good example, I love yes. that one. 
I love him because he's just such a creepy old man and very gothic macabre, but he's not afraid to make fun of himself. You know? I know. But my favorite film that he did, he was a reverend in like the black, the red, uh, like the plague or something. And he, I don't know if you've seen this, Carolyn, but he played like a very evil priest. And this was around the plague era. And he was like basically like shutting people out for like as witches or something like that. And he would take advantage of these girls and try to have sexual play with them. That's a- Wait, what'd you say? Mask of the Red Death? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Mask I was just of the about Red to Death. Look it up. Yeah, that movie's yeah, fucking creepy. Isn't it Mask of the Red Death? It's a famous author. Is it? I think it's Edgar Allan Poe, right? Yeah. 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 It's based off Edgar Allan Poe's thing. I had to check. I had to like quickly Google like. Mask yeah, of the Red I love that she Googled it right away. It's right. It was directed by Roger Corman too. Mm-hmm. Roger Corman okay. is best known for doing a lot of B movie stuff. <laughs> like seriously. Actually, it's funny because House on Haunted Hill was released in 1959, Mm -hmm. and I actually just bought, like, a bunch of horror movie patches on Etsy that are the... I showed you, but they're, like, the movie posters, and one of them is House on Haunted Hill, so that's the next one I got to sew on my jacket. (laughs) Also, The House of Wax... That was a 1953 film. That's a good one. I've seen bits and pieces of the remake, but not the original. I seen the original when I was a kid when we rented it from Blockbuster. I've oh. only seen the remake of that. Oh, one. You guys are lame. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like for me. That was like my golden age of horror was watching the remakes and <laughs> what was new in that time. And oh my um, God, I feel so old now. <laughs> but you feel old? Yeah, because she says her golden age is the remakes. My golden age was actually watching the original, like, Universal Monster stuff and the older stuff. Oh, you saw those when they came out, Colin? In another time. <laughs> I mean, I would say, though, like, no, it's not, like, the golden age for horror across the board. Yeah, but no. You're for true. me, that was, like, the time frame when I was watching horror the yep. most and. It was primarily, like, new stuff that was coming out, which were remakes. I know a lot of the Saw movies and the Final Destination sequels were coming out. The Descent came out during that time, which I watched, but I can never watch again. Because it just gives me that claustrophobic feeling, and I can't no, I can't watch stuff where I can't feel like I'm breathing. <laughs> it just makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I got a good question now. Okay. Yo. Favorite foreign horror film? Demon. Suspiria. Alright. Frontiers. Huh? Frontiers. Oh, Frontiers. Yes, yes. Yes. Actually, there's another good one, too, called Phantasms. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, that's a good one. That's with a very young Jennifer Connelly before she did Labyrinth. And also Donald Pleasance. Travis has the video game. (laughs) There's a video game? (laughs) Yes, Colin. Yo, why the hell am I not hanging out with Travis? What the fuck? You know, fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. Did you ever see uh, the Wreck series? I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it. I know that there's a there's an American version or American remake of it that's quarantine. Yeah, yeah, that looks really cool. Wreck is so good though. Like they did get a little kooky for I think it's the fourth one where it's like on a cruise ship or whatever, and it's like why why did you have to take it there? Mm-hmm. But it's almost like has a religious kind of factor, which is creepy about it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would highly recommend, like, because it's almost like 
a zombie type film mixed with religious like aspects and it's Mm -hmm. definitely really good but the first and second one they like it's like almost a seamless timeline yeah i have to check those out i i actually i still have my entire like journal of horror movies i still need to go through i know i still gotta fill up my entry for note but as i'm like waiting for more movies to come up to watch i'm Mm -hmm. like filling out the rest of the pages so i started doing saw and I think the next section I do is going to be the Hellraiser movies. Because mm-hmm. that's going to be next on my to-do well, list. Well, especially that new Hellraiser that's coming out. Oh, yeah. What did you think about that, by the way? I have only seen pictures so far. I haven't seen a trailer or anything. The trailer's really good. I think you'll like it. I know it's different because okay. it's not the so same without about, the original Pinhead. So I talked about this with my friend Matt um, from Pittsburgh. And he, he understands where I'm coming from because he feels the same way, especially in terms of... If you think about, like, all right, Pinhead, obviously the sex has changed, or the gender, or whatever. Yeah. So, for me, with remakes, like, that that's what ruined the Evil Dead remake for me, was, you think about Ash, what makes, like, the, the original Evil Dead so cool does not have a surviving girl, you know? So when they, like, remade Evil Dead and they added a surviving girl instead of, like, this surviving boy who's not your typical horror movie survivor, mm-hmm. it kind of, like, ruins it. lost something. Like, it didn't, like, granted, there's still someone surviving or whatever, but it's not the norm. It's not the formula we're fed. Mm-hmm. And it bothered me. And, I mean, I guess, like, you know, it's not a formula with Pinhead, but I'm so used to him being a male character, pretty much. Yeah, you're used to that. that. Like, it's fine that he's female, but I almost feel like you're trying too hard to, like, please a certain type of person who gets upset. Like, like, I feel like you have more room where you could take an idea and create a whole new movie with a female-centered, like, main character such as Pinhead. (laughs) So, like, why try to, like, I don't want to say ruin, that's not the right word, but why try to impose this new, like, character not really new but you know you're changing this character that we all know and love like that's why when they were like coming up with a new design like before this film where they had the nails uneven mm-hmm. but then the fans kind of like came back they're like they they got like word of the images they're like no pinhead has to be like symmetrical like with the nails it has to be on that grid like it can't just be random nails Right. So I feel like they could create a new movie, an original movie, and have a strong female character in it instead of trying to rework an old classic. I hope that made sense. No, it does. <laughs> no, it yeah, it does. I think with remakes, and I don't know if I, I, again, I don't know if I make these certain points in conversations in previous episodes, but when I think of remakes, I've kind of read different articles about as a topic, but mm-hmm. like remakes they're made and written and produced and targeted for different audiences especially like younger generations for example the new disney live action remakes we all know the disney cartoons that we grew up on and we love for them for what they were but we have a whole new generation of audiences who are watching like the newer disney stuff and Disney Pixar stuff, it's like Disney's way of saying, well, now we have a newer audience who may not know all that much about the originals unless their parents are showing them. This is our chance to retell the story in a different way that would appeal to a 
younger audience. I think I was saying to Colin the other day, you know, like when we when we have these remakes, it's like they're not meant for us, the original audiences that were targeted for these movies. They're for the new people. They're for the newer audiences. Yeah. And I for the newbies. Yeah, so it's like I get the direction that they're going with casting and it's I think it's cool that they do, considering the fact that I think in Hellraiser it's never really determined if the Cenobites are gender fluid or they don't it's like the huh? mer- it's like the Little Mermaid. Is that right? Well, you do see. I mean, yeah. granted, you know they could potentially be gender fluid, but you do see like differences. I guess like between uh, different. I'm thinking of figures. a very specific female looking son of a like you know. Are you talking about from the original movie? <laughs> yeah, the one that looked but, like Sinead O'Connor. Right, exactly. <laughs> but also, um, I think there's a very fine line because yes, they're not made for us, but at this point, it is a franchise film. Like, where it has so many, like, all right. So, like, you have to expect that this film has a fan base behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. Who will, like, see it, review it, and they're probably going to make or break you. Which is why you didn't see the takeoff of A new or um, of a Nightmare on Elm Street or The New Evil Dead or, like, Child's Play. Like, are, are they making a second one? Is that a thing? Well, for the new Hellraiser? Child's Play. Oh, no. Well, they're doing a second season. I don't know. See, no, not of the TV show. Oh. The movie, the remake. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, but, but they see, don't go over that well. But right, but that's what not I really. mean. It's like, I didn't like the Child's Play remake kind of for the same reason. It's not the Child's <sighs> Play that I remember. It's not, it doesn't have a voodoo backstory to it. It's just... No, it doesn't. It's just AI technology that goes haywire and starts to try to kill people in in the and especially in the world that we live in now where technology kind of like dictates a good portion of our day-to-day lives it's possible and it's terrifying to think yeah. of and oh that's why when when we saw the the child's play remake it's a great black mirror episode right it's not child's play but right. if you were to have labeled that as black mirror and like maybe put the doll in a different outfit oh i would have ranted and raved like yes this is a fantastic movie it's Black Mirror, though. It's not Child's Play. What if right. you put Chucky in but, a leather outfit? That would be hilarious. But but that's what I'm saying, too. It's like, I mean, I, I grew up on the Child's Play original. When watching the remake, I didn't particularly like how it was presented. But somebody 10 or 15 years younger than me might look at it and say, like, that is truly terrifying because yeah. technology is a big part of our lives now. And it's, it's more realistic to have a storyline of that type in in a horror movie but i think to make it part of that franchise doesn't work but again it's a it's meant for a different audience it's not so much yeah. meant for us the diehard yeah. fans i think it could work like it works for halloween it works for mm-hmm. jason it works for that kind of thing you have masks um, you know, like it could be like a different timeline, which you understand, which the fans understand. But then you have these like very almost personal images of Freddy or Chucky, and it's not being hidden by much. So when you like rework it and it doesn't go over, like, yes, this young fan may become a fan because of it, but they only have movies going backwards now, they have nothing to look forward to because you've disappeared pointed an entire fan base already mm-hmm. to where you're not making that sequel for the and you basically kind of ruined fans. the whole franchise and the career of that like right. legacy right but <laughs> but that that's like my hot take when it comes to like remakes like i like i like remakes because like i said my 
my almost golden age of horror for me was when the remakes were all coming out for Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and Halloween. And for me, those were almost more terrifying than the original, which I thought were cool. Mm -hmm. But when with movies like Child's Play, it didn't really do anything for me because I was kind of hoping for that same, was it like Mystique, like with the voodoo storyline? And yeah, I just didn't like the plot for that. But I liked the it remakes. I thought those were good. Those are good, yeah. Those are like that's a good way a of angry, but <laughs> I remember we want you came with us to go see yeah. part two. Yeah. But I thought like I at least that. at least those remakes, it's like yeah, you're staying true to the original, but you're also staying true to the original source, which is the novel, which is yeah. better. Which that is that I can that I could like get down with, you know, like Okay, it's more like the book. Right. Yeah. And that's what I liked about, like, the It chapters. And, like, that kind of sense of a remake is great. But, you know, going, I think going forward when we see more remakes come out, I think that's where I got to kind of keep my head in mind is, like, okay, they're going to come out with a remake. I can't expect too much for it because it's not going to be targeted to appeal to me. It's going to be a targeted to appeal to younger generations, mm-hmm. yeah. which is... Also, I think why I don't like A24 movies that much either. <laughs> oh, man. I heard you like de- uh, described as like the Gen Z kind of movies. I saw oh, no. the most Gen Z horror movie a while, like a month ago. Or- <laughs> you was told it, me about was this. Was it Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? It was Bodies. It bodies, Bodies, Bodies. was so Gen Z. It hurt. Like... <gasps> Oh, Why would you pay all that see, money to go see no, but, that? But see, that's what I was thinking when I watched oh, the trailer. God. I'm like, the people in the movie are portraying as like your stereotypical Gen Z kids that it's almost not only cringy to watch, but it makes your brain hurt because it's like these, this is the generation that came after us and yeah. this is how they act sometimes. This and is why like, they made it because of that. The characters technically i mean yes they are cringe but just the quote-unquote spin at the end of the film it is gen z like (laughs) it's not very intelligent that's what okay (laughs) because i mean okay not to i don't want to the end of the film so you have all right let me just i guess i'll do a tiny recap here all right so in the movie you have a girl and her girlfriend they're going to a i think it's like a hurricane party or something like that which is a real thing. Like, it's just a storm party. And okay. you meet the cast of characters. And, yes, they are all cringy in their own way. Uh, I mean, you have Pete Davidson, for Christ's sake. He is sake. so yeah. cringy. He's not a bad actor. Right. He is not a bad actor. So his character is actually the first to die. Oh, <laughs> okay. So in it, though, because he had his throat slit, they think he's murdered. Obviously, you would be like, yes, this guy was murdered. His throat was slit. Yes, that is the conclusion you come to. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a who's done it. No. But it's so like, as you're going through trying to figure out who did it, it's a clue. people are getting killed off mm-hmm. until you get to the final two, the two girlfriends who are like the survivors. Okay. And it's daylight now. And they stumble across Pete Davidson's cell phone. Like, after you see all these gruesome, like, deaths and accidental deaths and stuff like that. Like, they stumble across Pete's cell phone. And he was playing with the machete and, like, juggling with it or something. And accidentally 
cut his throat himself. Fuck so man. there was no killer, and it was just a you went through, and all your ki- all your friends were murdered for no reason. And yeah, yeah. Like, how is that, that supposed to make me feel like I don't like great? it? No. Like how how do you how do you? Oh my god, I don't even know how you. Well, would. I don't. I don't movie like yeah, i already I don't like it, it yeah i don't get how this is like elevated horror shit because like that i was saying the other day that like elevated horror is like the new subgenre trend that a lot of people are like excited for like we, when we watch pearl that's like it fell under that umbrella of like a24 films that they generally put out that are considered to be like elevated horror yeah i <sighs> Those movies make my head hurt. It's like my head hurts already. God, <laughs> like those movies to me focus way too much on how beautiful a movie can be shot and made, but right. because of that, the writing kind of um, falls on the back burner. Yeah, and and some of the plot kind of just gets a little off track, and it's you know, like I was telling Colin of how weird the movie was because it was like the super weird. Like the best way I could like give a, a bit of a snippet of example of how weird that movie was, was i know you're the, talking about the scarecrow i know the scene where she dances yeah. with the scarecrow <laughs> i was like that is i've odd. seen the picture of what that scarecrow looks like in pearl looks like the same scarecrow from wizard of oz mm-hmm. i was expecting that scarecrow face to be like uh someone's actual like skin that was a creepy ass scarecrow yeah and um, then it was funny because I even said, like, when you and I have watched it, we haven't seen X. Right, which I need to. And then Maxine yeah. is going to be coming out. That I heard about that, too. And I'm like, what is Ty West even doing? I was watching the Kill Count video on YouTube for X because I didn't... I would, I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to be able to watch this movie because it came out earlier this year. It's yeah. not available on any streaming service yet. And You know what's funny? Huh? When I first saw the preview for X, I was looking forward to it. I When we saw Pearl, I had no idea that that movie was Pearl was prequel to. And in my mind, I had been waiting for that movie to come out, but it had already come <laughs> And I, I had no idea it was out yet until like afterwards I'm like... What is Axel? Like, I went home and I looked it up. I'm like, I remember watching this trailer. I wanted to see it so bad. Holy crap. Yeah. Right. And so, like, I watched the kill count for X. And apparently, shortly after they wrapped up production for X was when they started shooting Pearl. Yeah. And now Maxine is coming out. And I'm like, he really didn't, like, waste time trying to get these movies made and produced. And he kept tra- going, like, yeah. yeah. Well, I read something that, like, they pretty much filmed Pearl and X at like the same time because they could get like a better discount on the house like okay. that set you know and which makes sense you know right. trying to save yeah. money especially in hollywood my god right especially since x is well not x but maxine is going to take place in la so it's going to be separate from that location so at least i'm hoping this way they'll be able to take a little bit more time with the story for maxine because yeah. the way that pearl went was like i don't know i because i even say this too it's like if you had taken out all the killing scenes in pearl you would have just had this movie about a farmer's girl who was down on her luck aspiring to be an actress and it's the kind of story that we see play out a lot but with with that horror aspect and the killing scenes it's like it's a little bit of a different movie 
but yeah. I, I was just so but odd. The, the coloring of it, like, yeah. we talked about it, and like, immediately after we saw the movie, but it gave me chills how it was filmed, like, seeing, like, you look at it, the, like, to me, like, that bumped-up ISO and the vibrancy of the film, like, that, just the feeling it instills in you, and then the murders, and just almost even, like, opening scene, killing, like, what is it, a duck? And feeding it to the alligator, and seeing, like, how vibrant that, like, red blood is, and just, like, oh, something's not right here, because it's, like, I, I mean, I, it, like, Wizard of Oz meets... Psycho. No. <laughs> no! <laughs> that was a great response. It is, like, oh Wizard God. of Oz meets some other type of, like, horror, horror. film. Yeah. No! Like, X was supposed to be uh, based or based or influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Which you definitely get from some of those scenes, and especially, like, you know, these group of, not, I don't want to say kids, but these group of young adults are driving to this farm location yeah. to shoot a porno, and just the entire vibe of it gives you Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes. And when I was watching Hollywood, yeah, because we watched Pearl, so we know what like what the house looks like, what the inside of the house looks like. We know what Pearl looked like when she was younger and parts of that location. So when I watched the X kill count video, there were things that were shown in X that would later have a more prominent plot point in Pearl, like the car Mm -hmm. in the pond. Yeah, that makes an appearance in X. And they don't they don't question it and they don't talk about it, but they just happen to walk d- b- down by the pond and they see this yeah. car sticking out of the pond, and they're like, "Hmm, odd." But we're gonna <laughs> move along. It's like you're not gonna even investigate what that right. car's about, and it it I was just X like me too. <laughs> and then when I was watching X, like they because when these when these people go to this farm, they're kind of renting part of the property which is like a essentially a guest house or a farmhouse separate from pearl's home we don't see pearl right away but we see howard who at this point is an old man and it even clicked to me that that was her husband who yeah. was absent for most of pearl which i think is even odder that that didn't even register <laughs> and then they show pearl as an old woman and she's played by mia goth and yes. they have these moments throughout the movie where mia goth like oh the old lady is still played by mia yeah uh-huh. so and they have these scenes where pearl and maxine are interacting with each other and i'm like this is kind of interesting because Mia Goth plays both Pearl and Maxine, and both of their characters have a lot in common in terms of who they are as people and what they aspire to be. Yeah. Which I thought like, was yeah. kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So I gotta watch X, and then we gotta go see Maxine when it comes out. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I am down. <laughs> All right. What do you think, honey? I've never seen it, so I don't know. Well, <laughs> how about A24 as a whole? Because you and I have seen Midsummer and... Well, yeah, but it's it's definitely, well, I love The Witch. That's such a great movie out of all of them. But Midsommar, I like and not like about it. It's like, it's basically Midsommar's toxic relationships. No, no, not Midsommar. I meant The Wicker Man toxic relationships you know i mean midsummer is exactly how you described a24 in the beginning the plot is ah the acting could have been better but how it's stylized the cinematography yeah well the cult tactics they actually use in the filming 
to make you think that the ending's a happy ending. It really isn't. Like, they actually use cult tactic in, like, making the film to make you think that it's a good, like, that yeah. it's a happy movie. So it's like, it yeah, has, like, like, real sense to it. Yeah. Like, you almost forget to, like, the very beginning where, like, they're having relationship issues and the acting's so terrible at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it really is. like, go to this, like, cult it's a different whoa like yeah it's so bright it's like hazed and yeah right it gives you <laughs> but but the thing about midsummer is like i said it's so beautifully shot and it has all these really great visuals it's like where they lose me is the writing and it's like yeah. i always say like with with midsummer it's like that entire event could have been prevented for danny at least if if her and christian had just had the conversation about their relationship earlier (laughs) on even if like he didn't feel obligated to have to continue to be with her after her family's death it's like you two clearly have problems and you both know that you have problems but neither of you want to be the person to initiate the conversation and it's like it's frustrating to watch because it's like just break (laughs) up already Mm -hmm. and then the people that they're with are all like in their own way very terrible and the boyfriend christian is it's like his own super villain because he just gaslights the shit out of everybody around him and it's just Mm -hmm. it's a frustrating movie to watch it really is especially those conversations i really don't like it but the other stuff especially with the colony and how they are in there the people are i think it's amazing colin would join a cult yes he would (laughs) i would you know what's funny probably get away yes i would have a nice vacation and then join a cult in norway yeah sure why not no it's funny because like i follow i follow the channel buzzfeed on youtube and they just started doing a series called Rise and Fall, and they talk about cults. And it's these two girls, and as they talk about the story about these cults, they have these little flags that have yes on one side and no on the other. Mm-hmm. And throughout the story, they'll say, what certain cat- characteristics of these cults would make us want to turn to being a cult member or turn away from being a cult member? And I feel like, because they only talked about three so far. They talked about Jonestown... The Manson family and Nexium, which is yeah. a weird fucking cult. But I don't know if Colin would ever join any of those cults. I mean, I feel like you would join Nexium because it's just a sex cult. <laughs> He's giving a thumbs up, everyone. Yes. I totally would. Seriously. As long as they have some good food, that's all that matters. You know, some tasty snacks, you know, a little bit of sex here and there, maybe. I like, there's a sociologist who looks into cults and, oh, shit. I've seen her on YouTube a few times, but me personally, like, I'm getting my major in sociology and just looking at, like, the culture of a cult and basically look at it from, like, an institutional standpoint, and it's so fascinating to me because it makes, everything makes sense. Like, you could look at it different sociological lenses, like Jim Jones, he has authority, and that's what people like about him, like, that's how he's... And it's not, and he's taking that authority. Right. There would be no one to pass it down to. Like, so it's not like a monarchy or anything like that where you have heirs and stuff. It's mm-hmm. not, um, I guess the closest you, it's hard to describe. I'd say the closest you would get is like almost bureaucracy. Yeah. But bureaucracy you could kind of replace. Right. But, but after Jim Jones, like say it went on and, you know, we all know the ending of Jonestown here. Yeah. But yeah. let's let's pretend that didn't happen and like Jim Jones passed away and everyone was alive. 
there'd be no one to take over. Yeah. Right. No one would have the same charisma and power that he had. Well, you might as well burn it down then. (laughs) Or just disband at that point, because if you don't have anybody telling you what to do and there's nobody to organize the group, then they would disband and go find other things to do. And it's it's cool, though, too, because, like, my sister and I were talking about cults one time and we we talked about like killer cults in another episode but she said there's usually like when when people analyze cults there's usually like three motives that cult leaders tend to their drive to call like forming these groups it's either money sex or religion you know and those those are like the three fundamental bases of like certain cults like jonestown was religion, but Jones, like, thrived on the authority, like you said. And yes. he used that combined with religion to spearhead their motives and everything. Yeah. Exactly. Manson kind of did the same thing, but he also incorporated drugs and sex yep. to kind of also add control to his followers. But and also it was... manipulation, too. Right. Mm-hmm. And then with Nexium, they're a sex cult. They are the most deviant of sex cults, but they're like, it, it was like a whole pyramid scheme in terms, in, in like a cult form. Every cult has its own motive. It acts as like a driving force almost. Can you not be a creep? <laughs> He's trying to make me laugh so hard right now by giving thumbs up really slowly at the word sex cult. Like. <laughs> or Nexium. I want there to be a picture of me. I feel like it was one of your photos when we did the photo shoot, you remember the one we did in the bleacher and the one it just looks like an ad to something? But it'd be funny. It'd be like, Colin would join a Nexium, like, in that picture. It'd just be, I don't know, it'd just be a funny meme. Alright. I'm sorry. Well, I ruined it. No, you're good. No, I'm not. I think, I think we should probably wrap it up. I am very grateful that you guys invited me to be on the show. Yeah. yeah. And this was a yeah, lot of fun. Speaking with you. And we can have you on anytime, even if you just have yeah. your random voice on there and just like talk or something or just be <laughs> like, you would be a great announcer to introduce us onto the show. I mean, you're practically part of this. By your Ed McMahon. Like. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this was a lot of fun. I mean, time really does fly when we have these conversations oh, with yeah. people. I mean, even like, I don't know if I told you, but like, what was it like two or three weeks ago, we went to Ryan and Alicia's house and I had was talking to their friend about horror movies for four hours <sighs> in their boy. kitchen. Colin got yep. so jealous of him. No, I was just, I was joking by calling him the new boyfriend. <laughs> he does this every time I have a male friend who I enjoy talking to, but like, I was talking to this guy for four hours. My boyfriend. Colin has his boy toys, so. Right. It's like, you, <laughs> can, you can have 50 boyfriends, but I can't talk to one guy. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, but I can't have one boyfriend. <laughs> no, I can't talk to one guy for four hours about horror movies. I, what was that that I, is a double standard that is such bullshit. No, but I feel like you've talked to someone, a guy like that, for that long. You don't know what's going to happen or what's happening in the conversation. So that's why I was just like, huh. Nothing on? is happening uh, in the conversation. Are you insecure, Colin? Yes, he is. Alicia was walking back and forth uh, from the here kitchen. Here we go. She was walking back and forth from the kitchen to the dining room and living room, and Colin's sitting out there, and when she walked in, he was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> what are they talking about? What are they talking about in there? Yeah. And then every once in a while, he'll come in and be like, hi, honey, and then give me a kiss, like... And like, hi. And I tongue her. <laughs> no. Just reminding. Kidding. Actually, the guy was really nice. I like. 
I think we will wrap up this interview because we could yep. keep going for hours. Yeah, I'm definitely but, going to make this a two-parter. Yes, and I am. Well, I just hope I wasn't talking over you guys too much. No, you no, are. No, it's okay. I'm not worried about our guests talking over people. It's Colin I got to worry about. Okay, <laughs> way to put me I under the bus. I think you did really good tonight. Did I do yeah. good compared yeah. to her? Did I do better? But I mean, I was also kind of directing like, Aaliyah, answer this. Colin, <laughs> Colin you go now. <laughs> it's, and it's fun to kind of answer questions sometimes because the person asking us questions is pretty cool because we always ask people questions so we want the question well this is also like well i don't want to say it's our second because i've had my sister on and i've had my dad on before but like i try to practice my interviewing skills by like asking them questions and then you know in turn asking me questions but (laughs) another goal i have for the podcast eventually is to like reach out to other podcasters or other like guests outside of our circle to kind of see if like we could collab with other podcasters and yeah that'd be cool at least that way too like it would help us practice our interviewing skills and also help us (laughs) practice answering questions like these yeah these were really fun questions my goal is to have a podcast with trixie mattel oh my god if i get trixie mattel on the show my sister would flip her shit (laughs) that'd be absolutely okay so yeah no we'll definitely have you on for sure (laughs) so yeah all right well have a great rest of the night and i guess get something in that belly colin you know he looks he looks miserable like when i took his photos (laughs) oh it was still a great time though yeah, no, absolutely. If you asked me to do it again, I probably would. Yeah. But at this point, like, it wouldn't be as tedious because I don't have to, like, do all that stuff. Actually, like, we're going to be doing, like, in-studio stuff. And, like, part of me was, like, thinking, like, maybe I should have, like, Colin and, like, the Grease Creepers come in with their instruments and, like, do, like, a fake promo set. But you guys could actually use it if you want. Yeah. But, like... Right. You know, with the professional lighting studio and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Actually, I would be down for that. I'll talk to the guys. Yeah. Let me know. I don't know when it would be, but... Yeah. I would well, let me it. know when it is or when it would be. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be so, fun. <laughs> no, but yeah, no. But thank you for being on the show. Thank you guys for having me. I love you. Love, love you too. too. Okay. okay. Bye. 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 Now we have reached to the point of the end of the episode here. And Meg, thank God, it is over. <laughs> well, you don't have to make it sound like it was terrible. It was a good interview. I know, but it was a lot of work. You know? We will definitely have Carolyn back on the show at some point. I feel like she will be a common like person with us on the show. I feel like we can put her into like some good use. Like, you know, like kind of, I don't know. It would be a cool like she's like an introduction lady or whatever or just like talk to us about like new movies coming out well i was actually i actually had a good idea about this so you know how we mentioned in part one she is our go-to friend to go see movies with at the theater Mm -hmm. i had an idea whenever we do a review for a movie that just came out recently in theaters the three of us will all go see it together and then we can all do like a collective review on it I like that, that way she'll be more included into the podcast and we can get more like outside feedback it'd besides be, just us two. It'd be like, go to the movies with Carolyn. Going to the movies. Or let's all go to the movies. There you go. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Yep. But, but no, but thank you everybody for listening and you are all very brave for be- coming this far to listen to this episode. And we want to thank Carolyn again for participating on our show for the past couple weeks. Because she's not only just family. Anyway, she's not only just friend. She's family. <laughs> you kind of botched that one. I really but... did, but you could try to edit that. 
No, I'm no. not. I'm done editing. <laughs> I've spent two weeks editing these two parts, and I'm I'm done editing. I was about to say you must hate editing so much. I hate you right now because what? in in the entire. Uh, obviously you guys can tell when you listen to these episodes but when we have like guests on which we rarely do colin doesn't know when to keep his mouth shut so sometimes he ends up talking over the guests which I don't is so to. annoying i don't try to it just happens i'm sorry no it's called keeping your mouth shut and letting people have their turn all right well i will let that happen next time fucking glory whore would you stop itching your thing leave me alone stop it itches Stop itching your tattoo. My tattoo is healing still, and it's getting scaly and itchy. And well, you gross. need to stop that. I can't help it. Stop hitting me. I didn't hit you. Stop making the people think that I'm abusing you, which I'm not. All right. Well, we're wrapping up this week's episode. <laughs> Stay tuned for next week's episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am Aaliyah. And I am Colin Bourne, signing off saying, be brave. <laughs>